This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. So in a moment, we're going to talk about hiking etiquette, do's and don'ts, and a big don't from this past weekend. We'll have more on that in a moment. But I got a lot of emails on this whole electric vehicle thing that we were talking about, what's holding people back. Uh, BC Hydro put out a survey this morning about some of the misconceptions they said when they've talked to people. They talked to something like 1,100 people over the summer to ask them about their misconceptions. And the biggest one had to do with how long it takes to stop at a charging station uh, before you can get going again. So I asked you kind of what stops you from going that electric vehicle route. Now, Lorna wrote me, hi, Lorna from Kamloops, saying, I was listening to the results of the hydro survey regarding electric cars. She said, I too would wonder how how they worked on road trips. She said, my story is that last year I was at a Kamloops car show and she was talking to a Tesla car owner there with an all-electric car. I asked him if his, his was a city car or did he have another one for road trips? And he said, no, he used it, he used it to go to Vancouver, but would stop in Hope, charge it for 40 minutes at a public charger, then go into Vancouver for the weekend. Then coming back, he would charge for 40 minutes again in Hope, to get home. It worked for him, he said, she said, but I wonder how much longer your wait time for the charge is going to be when there are more electric cars on the road. And she said, from what I've heard in the news, not a lot of thought has gone into infrastructure. There's actually more and more charging stations being built all the time, Lorna. Uh, that is definitely increasing. And depending on your car, like if you have a Tesla in particular, uh, there's a lot of Tesla charging stations. And so that makes a huge difference. And they're actually building a network so that you can take road trips and they will like identify the Tesla charging stations along the way for you. But that brings me to another email. I just have to find it from somebody there. I can't find it. Oh, here it is. Here it is. It's Serena who wrote me to say, she was also listening to the segment and she said, you know, they have a Tesla. And she said, in the summer, we were on our way back from Lillooet driving our Model 3. And the problem that we encountered was non-electric cars parked in the charging station spaces, she said. She said, the Tesla supercharger is in the Chateau Whistler. So you have to pay $7 to enter the parkade and then you pay at the station. She said, thankfully, we had enough charge to get back to Squamish because the Whistler Tesla supercharger was full of non-electric cars and also electric cars using the spaces for parking, but not for actual charging. And she said, we asked the parkade person about this and they said there's nothing they can do because it's a public parkade. And she said, I'm on a Facebook Tesla Model 3 group page. And she said, I gathered that this is a problem, non-electric parking in a charging spot, especially when the charging stations are in prime parking areas. That's a good point. Like, I wonder if that is a big deal out there. That would drive me crazy, especially if you really need. That would be like an electric vehicle pulling up at a gas station and just parking at the pump for no reason, <laughs> just because it's a good parking spot and it's in a good location, right? I could see how that would drive electric vehicle owners crazy. She said, but we love our Tesla and we are waiting to buy an electric truck in a few years. Uh, boy, hey, not only that, uh, I, I know somebody else who's also just waiting uh, to buy an electric truck as well on that. So it's going to be pretty popular. Uh, I had a um, Danny who emailed me as well who said, Simi, we searched for an electric car that looks quote unquote normal because that's what a previous emailer had said. And Danny says, we finally found one in the Volkswagen e-Golf. We switched to electric last year. We plug it in every night to 120 volts outlet and we love it. 
uh, 15,000 kilometers and no issues, Danny says. Best of all, it looks just like the regular Volkswagen Golf. It is amazing how that is such an issue for people, right? That they want it to look normal. They want it to look like all of the other cars out there. So EV, why not? Wayne says, well, park. I can park it on the street, can't charge it there, he said. Takes too long to charge. By the way, that was a misconception. 30 minutes or less. It will get you enough, more than enough charge, 80 to 100% to get you going. Now, most people would stop for 20 minutes at a gas station if you're on the road, if you're on a road trip or something. By the time you go into the washroom and do all your other things, you know, buy lottery tickets, whatever the case may be that you do at the gas station. Uh, So also Wayne said not enough places to charge, especially if more people buy EVs. I'm willing to bet that was a problem for um, cars in the beginning as well. I'm not going to buy an automobile. Where am I going to fill up with gas? There's not enough gas stations. I'm sure they had that problem. That will be fixed. Travel distance limitation, Wayne says, and hybrid, he said, is much more practical considering all of the above. Well, we're getting there because you are considering hybrid. So let me know what is stopping you. Like, what are your concerns? Or maybe you made the switch and what's happened. Send me at cknw.com. You can weigh in with your thoughts on that. Now, we've been hoping to talk to North Shore Rescue about this story that happened over the weekend, but unfortunately, they're busy. I hope it's not because they're rescuing somebody right now. I hope everything is okay. But we were trying to get a hold of them for this because it was such a shocking story. Uh, you may have heard about this. It is just, I'm still outraged about this because of how bad this situation actually was. This has to do with a group of hikers who met up on a, it was an online Facebook group, right? So they met up and apparently this is very common, online Facebook group. They get together, they're going to go hiking. They meet up for hiking for the first time. So they go up, they go hiking they uh, were coming down from the mountain after they were all done. This was a, a, on, in North Vancouver. And I guess they had divided up into two groups, the fast group and the slow group. So they actually left behind the slow group. And the two people who were in the slow group, one of them was injured. She hurt her ankle. And she hurt her ankle. And so the other person in the slow group just left her there and just left her there. And it, not for another person coming along, Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. On the trail a little bit later... Uh, they would not have been able to even know that this person had been there. Why wouldn't they know? The hiking group wasn't planning on calling 911. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, that's not possible. Who would do that? Who would go out hiking in a group, have somebody with them who was injured, and then not actually call 911? Well, Search and Rescue have said this is a very kind of discouraging situation. They were really surprised that this would actually happen. So we have managed to track down Mike Danks from North Shore Rescue, and he is going to join us now to talk more about this. Mike, thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, I read this story this weekend and I could not believe it. Can you tell us what happened here? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really frustrating story, to be completely honest. I'm shocked that someone would leave someone behind, but... Really, the story was we got a call at 7 o'clock from BC Ambulance for an injured um, female hiker. There was a 
pretty significant language barrier. So they had an interpreter pass on some information to us that was really limited. Um, she kind of knew that she was in the Coliseum area, but that's really all we had and that she was injured. So thankfully, not long after she made the call, we got a second call from an informant that was just happening uh, to be hiking back on that trail. And he was able to communicate to us exactly where they were and what had happened, that she was in a group of five and that group of five had um, left her behind and she had injured herself shortly after and she was very inexperienced, wasn't aware of really which direction to even go and, yeah, that she needed help. And so the other hikers then, I understand, search and rescue kind of ran into them as search and rescue was arriving. That's right, and they had actually gone the wrong way um, and they were basically interviewed and asked, you know, were you going to make the call for help for this person? And they said no, which, again, was just a huge shock to us. I just, you know, it's kind of hard to understand how they could leave someone behind and not be concerned about their safety, especially when you're talking about Lynn Headwaters Park. That's a very large area. We've had numerous people um, that have not survived back there, and we've also had people that we still have not located to this day. Uh, were they very inexperienced hikers, Mike? Like, was that the problem? Well, I think very inexperienced. They didn't know each other very well. Um, our understanding is they met through some online kind of hiking group and basically went out for the day. And, you know, I think that's, you know, part of the problem is we have a bunch of people that are getting together. They're not familiar with each other's skill sets, their experience, and then they're going out and they're doing you know, larger hikes like Coliseum, um, which can really, you could get into trouble very quickly on. Right. So then what, did Search and Rescue have a few words with these people about that? Yeah, but to be completely honest, again, there's a bit of a language barrier there. So um, how much of that information was actually absorbed is we're not really sure. And our main focus was obviously to get this woman um, back to safety and to medical attention. But you know, I can tell you, I just, for myself personally, I just, I, I cannot understand how this would happen. How someone, yeah. you know, I get that they split up their group into a faster and a slower group. But if you're going to have two people that are coming up, you know, they're the slow group, you can't split up. Like, you just cannot do that, especially with people that are very inexperienced. Right. So, have you ever seen a case like this before? Uh, not, not where they've... You know, the other person has made it out and is absolutely not concerned about the other person's safety and about letting someone know that, you know, they're going to be back there. They have no light source. It's after dark. Um, That's and that they're probably going to need help. Yeah. Okay. And is the lady okay? She's okay. Yeah. She's obviously gone to, to get medical attention for her ankle. Um, we don't believe it's a fracture, but um, certainly she needed assistance to get out. That's for sure. And I think that kind of silver lining to this story is that informant that came across this young lady um, took the time out of his day. You know, he made himself much later than than he anticipated getting home. He didn't make the sea bus um, to save someone and make the right decisions. So, Right. Okay. So advice then, Mike, for people who, I mean, you're right, those online hiking groups are pretty popular, right? They go, hey, I'm going to go do this this weekend. Who wants to come join me? What is your advice to those groups who maybe haven't done a lot of hiking? Yeah, I mean, start small. Coliseum is a that's a a long trip, and I think you need to get to know the people that you're going to be hiking with before you attempt 
larger scale hikes. I get doing something in the front country that's a bit smaller, so you can get to know the people, get to know their experience, what kind of equipment they carry, um, and you know, always leaving a trip plan as well, which is is super key as well. And you know, was that in place? I don't think so. All right, Mike. Listen, thanks so much for telling us about it. You bet. Have a nice day. You too. That's Mike Tanks from North Shore Rescue. We just had to talk about that story today because that's crazy, right?